Welcome to Maynard Tools. This week, notes from the field, a brand new type of cast. Here we go. Okay, Danny, so this is our first cast of this type where yeah. you and I answer questions that come from our work in the field, out on the road, conferences, client locations. And I think we just came up with this idea. Well, you just came up with this idea less than 72 hours ago. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I had this experience of like, I'm getting the same questions in the field and some of them we don't have casts for. Right. And we didn't solicit these calls the way we do our licensee calls. My experience with the licensee calls is that sometime, uh, some of the calls are quite specific and we enjoy answering them. We find them interesting uh, questions, but these questions seem to come up regularly and it just, we just assume that perhaps as regularly as they come up, maybe that means a lot of people want to hear the answers. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And look, guys, we know publishing the answers to our, the answers to these two questions to the quarter of a million weekly listeners we have doesn't, doesn't necessarily reach everyone. But we thought we'd try this and see what everybody thought. So we're going to answer two questions this week, right, Mark? Right. The first one is isn't it a contradiction? When you say, don't give feedback to our boss, but we should accept it from a direct. And the second one is, my career has plateaued for all kinds of reasons, and I'm thinking of leaving my company. What should I do? That's a tough one. Yeah, they're very different too. They uh, are. Yeah, yeah the, the second one is tough because I think people really expect us to tell them whether they should what stay What to do, or that's right, right. right. Yeah. And we do tell them what to do, but we, we only provide a process for them making their own decision. Right, because we, we can't tell somebody what to do with their... If, with if their... we've known somebody quite well for quite a while, we might be able to recommend something. But an email from a person we've only met for five minutes, uh, very, very hard, unless something really significant has happened. So, okay, first one. Isn't it a contradiction when you say, hey, don't give feedback to your boss, but then if you get some from your directs to accept it? I love this question. And I've been getting this question more regularly at conferences over the last two or three months. I would say probably 75% of the conferences that uh, the effective manager conferences that I've done, this question has come up easily 75% of the time. Yeah. I, I love it when, when folks ask this question because to me, it shows that they're really thinking through the process and they're thinking through uh, our recommendations that they, um, they're they taking some, some logical you know, steps in their thought process. Right. So I really enjoy answering at the conference and it's fun to see people go through the process of hearing the answer and understanding. I almost see literally the light bulb go off over their head. That's interesting because I, I have a different response. I'm like, really? <laughs> and maybe it's just because I've been doing it for 25 years. And to me, it's so obvious. Um, so maybe that's why audiences like you more than they like me. Well, I don't know. Uh, and maybe also because I remember asking you the same question about <laughs> eight or nine ago. years ago. <laughs> um, look, guys, we don't think there's any contradiction, obviously. If there was a big contradiction, we wouldn't recommend it. All of our work does fit together. There are things that are fairly standard in the corporate world that we don't recommend um, because those things essentially go against the principles and values that we believe in at Manager Tools. But look, in this case, we understand why people think that there's a contradiction. It's clearly this is one of those times when we respect it. 
but we don't see that there is. Um, and the reason why is because we're only recommending actions that you take. Right. As we often, we often tell people, we're manager tools. We're not direct tools. So we're giving our guidance is to managers about how to manage. And we're not giving casts to your direct about how to manage you. Right. And so we're not giving casts to you about how to manage your boss. Yeah. I had this conversation in Houston this week with uh, a client that um, when you think about your direct, you and your boss, sort of the, the three people that are involved in the, the rule power that affects you most often day to day, week to week at work, it is astounding to me. It's probably one of the big ahas for me in the last couple of years. Um, the resilience of the idea that managers have that is wrong, which is that, oh, well, this is how I am with my directs, but that is in no way related to how my boss is with me as his direct or yeah, her direct. Absolutely. There is a real disconnect. Um, and I think it's because people have a mental sense of self-preservation that if I'm a certain way with my boss, um, the fact that I don't trust him completely, not that he's a bad person, and I'm careful around him, and I'm... You know, I have a concern about him at times, and when he's in a bad mood, I avoid him, all those kinds of things that come from the feeling, that spring in part from the feeling of being a direct. And then when they turn around and think about their own directs, they're like, no, no, we're good. They don't feel that way about me. I mean, look at me in the mirror. I'm a normal guy. Right. And they fail to realize that they see themselves as themselves, but they define everybody else in a significant part based on their role. And it's hard to see ourselves as a role rather than as a person because you've been a person all your life, but you only have been in this role perhaps for one, two, three, five, ten 10 years. And I think as managers, we know ourselves, we know ourselves our whole life. We know that, well, I would never retaliate against my directs and, and my directs know that. Right. And so, because we know our own intentions and we are judging ourselves according to our intentions, we assume that our directs know our intentions as well. And yeah. they, they would know that we would never retaliate. Right. But other people judge us by our behaviors, right? And we judge other yeah. people by their behaviors. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, in this case, we're comparing two things. One is giving feedback and actually not giving not feedback giving to feedback. your boss. Right. And in the other example, we're talking about how you would receive feedback. Okay. Let's talk about each part. I think this is important. First, we don't recommend you give feedback to your boss for several reasons. Okay. The upward feedback, remember, again, as Danny said, this is manager tools. Um, if we were writing direct tools, which after a fashion we do in career tools, we would say, there's different rules, right? A good example would be, I'm Danny's boss at manager's tool, manager tools. So I write her review. She doesn't write mine. Now, some of you'd say, oh, yeah, she does. You see 360. No, we don't do 360s here. <laughs> um, and even if we did, her input would not be feedback. And in the same way, Danny doesn't administer my salary. I administer hers. 
Danny doesn't make decisions about my role when it comes to succession planning. I make decisions about hers. These are simple organizational necessities based on the hierarchy that exists in the vast majority of organizations in the world today. It's that simple. There are some things the CEO can do that a first-line person can't do. There are some things that a first-line person must do that a CEO should never do. Not everything is determined by role, but a lot is. Professionalism certain, certainly isn't. Ethics aren't. Okay, Either you're an honest person and you work hard or you're not. But look, when we tell you don't give feedback to your boss, the, the biggest reason why not is risk. Now, here's a big problem we have with the existing way that people give guidance about careers and management today. Whether the world ought to be this way or not doesn't matter. The world is in such a way that the majority of bosses we have observed are not beneath retaliating overtly and immediately or covertly and over time for a direct giving them feedback. And so, so many times when somebody tells a manager or a direct, hey, you should definitely go ahead and, and share that thought with your boss. Go, go have that talk with your boss about what they need to do differently. What they're basing that advice on is how they think the boss should respond. Yeah. Well, your boss should be able to take that. They're not basing it on whether the boss actually will accept it without retaliating or not. They're basing it on their vision of what that other person, the direct boss, should do. That can be a dangerous way to yeah. give to give advice to somebody. They're, they're giving advice based on a perfect world where the boss right. should be open and they've been fed a diet of, you know, you should be open to feedback from everybody and we all want to be collegial. And, and this is like the, the guidance that every time you give feedback to one of your directs, you should be open to a dialogue. I mean, I'm sorry, high-performing systems require tons of feedback the majority of which is good, by the way, the idea that everyone, if I want to give four or five bits of feedback to one of my directs and there's a direct that simply feels the need to have a 10 or 15 minute conversation every single time I give him or her feedback, we would literally do nothing else but give feedback to those people who are needy for detailed instructions along the way. And, and by the way, these people who are making guidance about this don't have an actual feedback model, don't have a specific way to do it other than let's have a dialogue and asking, how do you feel about that? And I have to tell you something. If a manager hears from one of his or her directs, if the manager were to ask, how do you feel about that? And the direct says, well, it's hard. It really hurts my feelings. There are very few managers in the world the ones who almost have no heart at all, who would continue to give that person feedback, therefore dooming them to potential second-rate status in the organizational hierarchy for their lack of performance improvement. And look, guys, think about this. When someone tells you to go ahead and have that talk with your boss, ask them if they've ever done it themselves. Look at the bosses that you know. Count the bosses around you. Do some fast math in your head. Ask yourself what percentage of those bosses that you know in your organization around you right now, would you absolutely guarantee that they would not, in some way or another, retaliate against a direct giving them feedback? Or if you don't like that word retaliate, or you think, well, I don't think they would retaliate, then just lower the bar a little bit. Do you think they would have a less than positive response to a little bit of 
criticism, regardless of how nicely it was worded, regardless of how pleasantly it was put, how many of them do you think there would be even any chance that they might not receive it anything less than enthusiastically? And, and let's make it a more accurate question of observing real world exigencies. Think about your boss for a moment and ask yourself, do you really understand your boss's mood all the time? Do you really have the kind of transparency with your boss that you think you have talking to your directs? Okay. Now, don't ask yourself whether or not if you went and talked to this other boss that you're thinking about, whether he or she would be open to it. Don't ask yourself that based on your relationship with them. Take the bottom half of their performers and have them give feedback to that boss at a time when her or his mood is not great. Are we seriously going to say, oh, there's going to be no problem with that? No, I don't, I don't think anybody would. I think what, Danny, I think what people would say is, well, he should. He should, and, that's and, right. And again, we agree, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but we don't give guidance for the should of the world. We give guidance for the is of the world. And, and I mentioned this a minute ago. I'm, I'm going to say it again. This is one of the big problems that manager tools, all of us at manager tools have with the vast majority of career and management and political advice we see and we hear. Right. They assume that the, that the world, the organizational world is perfect. Right. And everybody does the right thing for the right reason all the time. Right. Which is, of course, ludicrous. 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 <laughs> My new favorite word. Plaid. <laughs> Look, yeah. People are selfish often. And they're especially selfish when there are limited rewards and there's financial risk and status risk. When people give you advice like you should give your boss feedback and your boss should be open. First of all, they're using the word should. Always a bad Twice. sign. <laughs> Always a bad sign, guys. What they're doing is describing how you should behave as a generic part of a well-run, highly professional, highly effective organization. They're saying what the organization's parts should do. They're seeing it from the organization's perspective and say, the organization can never truly be great until everybody sort of does these things. We wouldn't argue with that construct. We just think it's completely ludicrous to suggest that you, as an individual live person, should engage in a behavior that is simply based on what a perfect organization would be because there is no perfect organization. And even if you were, agree, were to agree with them that in fact it's true, they would have to acknowledge there's some risk. But if they don't know your boss exceptionally well, it must be easy to tell your friends, engage in this behavior. I think it's the right thing to do for the organization. Sorry, it does, you know, there's a lot of risk for you. Ethics require people who make recommendations like us to be especially careful when we believe there's an organizational benefit that is balanced against an individual risk, okay? Because we're not making recommendations to the organization. And yes, you could say that, well, Mark, if everybody behaves that way, the organization is less for it. Yes, you're right. We're telling you, don't give feedback to your boss, and it would be better if everybody gave feedback to their boss and there were no repercussions. We simply don't believe that's possible. We don't believe that the majority of bosses will respond in an appropriate way. By the way, let me give an example of this that I, I use regularly in the field. And Danny, I think you've heard me do it before. When we've, we don't present often together, but every once in a while we do. Here's a good example. Danny's my boss. I'm late to a meeting. 
Danny comes by after the meeting. We're walking back to our cubes, and Danny says, hey, Mark, can I give you some feedback? Sure, boss. What's up? Hey, when you're late, I worry about you. Can you be on time next week? Sure. I'm sorry. That's a completely normal use of our feedback model. It's polite. It's professional. It's brief. You're essentially reinforcing the standard of timeliness, and timeliness is a really important standard, guys. Okay. You assume that Danny is completely being appropriate by talking to me about this in a nice way. And you believe it's appropriate for me to make a legitimate effort to change. If I were not to change, at some point, Danny might have to talk to me again. And if I continue to be late, maybe she even has to have a tougher conversation about I'm failing to meet standards. I don't think anybody would argue with any of that. Nope. Now let's turn it on its head. Okay. She gave me feedback. Based on the question, shouldn't we be able, you know, we can't give feedback to our boss, but we have to hear it from our directs. Suppose... The next time Danny gave me feedback, I turned to her and said, hey, listen, can I give you some feedback? And she says, okay, by the way, and that's our guidance, but we're only doing that simply because when we tell you accept feedback from your directs, we're simply telling you don't retaliate, but we're not saying you have to follow it because of this example. I say to Danny, hey, can I use some feedback? She says, sure. And I say, when you start meetings on time, and by the way, folks, I am going to follow the model. Um, <laughs> when you start meetings on time, it messes me up in terms of the work I'm doing and so on. Can you please wait for me to come into the room before we start a meeting? Now, in the feedback model, since we're talking about feedback, um, the only correct response, well, Danny could say no. But if Danny says no, and this direct believes that the feedback model is a universal model rather than a manager to direct model, then what I would draw the conclusion of is that it's okay for me to say no to Danny. So in other words, the use of the feedback model up and the idea that I can insist on Danny changing behavior to benefit me rather than making some rules that benefit the organization stymies her ability to give me guidance and positive and negative feedback. So it doesn't make any sense. None of you would say, oh, I would expect my direct to be on time and it would be appropriate to mention it to them in a polite way. And yet none of you would say, oh, sure, I'll wait all my meetings on you. Well, then what do you do when one of your direct says, right. I'd like you to start the meeting on time? Now you're you're essentially screwed, if you'll pardon the, the comment. I, I It's no way to run a railroad. Um, and that's why hierarchy and role power exist in organizations. Now, you might say to that, well, Mark, I don't really mean feedback. And guys are going to tell you it's funny. When people ask us questions like this, we answer it, and we answer it the way we're answering it now. And then they say to us, oh, that's not what I meant. That's not and what I meant. And then the question That's my changes. favorite thing. <laughs> right. Well, and look, we, we respect that because a lot of people don't expect us to have deep and well-thought-out answers to these kind of questions. And in fact, often, guys, when we get this question, it's just people who don't want to give feedback to the directs and don't like their boss and want a reason not to do so because they want to find a flaw in the model. And that's fine. We know our models aren't perfect because we're not perfect, and so therefore we can't create perfect models. However, if you understand that you give feedback to your directs and then you say, but look, I'm only giving input to my boss, then maybe we're okay. And folks, we've said this before, feedback is a very specific thing. When we think, when Danny and I, Lynette and others say feedback at manager tools, we mean the model, okay? But we would still tell you, do not tell your boss or make suggestions to your boss about behaviors he or she 
should change. Now, you can make suggestions. Like, for instance, if your boss says, hey, what do you think about how I'm doing? I would recommend you say, you're doing fine. And it's not my place. And frankly, I've never been in your role. So therefore, it's hard for me to say. By the same token, if we're brainstorming, it's not feedback to come up with different ideas than your boss. If you're exchanging ideas about whether you're going to do plan A or plan B or plan C, when the boss says plan A, you then five minutes later saying plan B is not feedback. Not feedback. You saying to your boss, boss, I disagree. I think you're wrong here because of X and Y and Z and one and two and three. That's not feedback. Right. Discussions, discussions. around the business or the, the plans or the products. Plans, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Feedback is you did something that had an outcome, good or bad, and I want you to understand what that is. And if it's bad, I want you to change it. So you can exchange ideas with your boss all you want. We love that. Okay. You can disagree with your boss. No, we recommend you do it politely. And I, we actually have a podcast on that. But we don't suggest that you think your boss should change his or her behavior simply because you have a reason why. Now, one more thing. If, in fact, your boss is doing something just violently wrong, which, by the way, keep in mind, your definition of violently wrong and your boss's and the organization's definition of violently wrong may be different. And there are many of you listening right now who think that the way your boss runs meetings is violently wrong. And that's probably not true unless he starts an hour late and there's no agenda and people have to fight for the one chair and there's some some extremes. But a lot of people have really strong feelings about small things bosses do, like I don't like the fact that my boss has a staff meeting and I want to give him feedback to tell him to stop having a staff meeting. Well, come on, guys. Staff meetings are, you know, widely accepted and and acceptable as a managerial tool, um, even if it's not the most smoothly run thing in the world. But don't go to your boss and say, you don't like his his uh, staff meeting. You could go and make a suggestion or a recommendation. Hey, you know, I just thought of it the other day. I went to a couple other people's staff meetings and um, really felt like there was a good exchange of stuff. And you've mentioned before that some of us haven't been open. Uh, so if you want, I'll be happy to put together an email or something and just suggest some things about how we could do our one-on-one better. That's not feedback, guys. That's a suggestion or some input for your boss, for him or her to consider. Or if the boss asks for input on the staff meeting agenda, or what do you want to talk about the staff meeting? Right. Or, right that's, that's not feedback. Right. Yeah, that's input. Okay. It's also important to mention something here about our position as recommenders, if you will, relative to you guys. Okay. Right. When, when we are making recommendations to you guys, our listeners, or folks who come to our conferences, the standard that we apply is not, hey, a lot of people could really benefit from this. Oh, my God. That's not our yeah. standard. Our standard isn't even every single person who hears this will benefit from it. No, nope, it isn't. You're right. Yeah. Our standard for any recommendation that we give you is that no one could be harmed by following this recommendation, which is a much higher standard. <laughs> yeah. And look, guys, remember, somebody is listening to our recommendation that is desperate for help. And guys, trust us, we get plenty of mail like that. Yeah. And there are people who say, you saved my career. We had a guy in Houston, one of the nicest guys I've met this year. Um, his name's Lou. And he came up to me at the start of the day and, and, and just spent a few minutes talking to us about how much manager tools meant to him. And um, he said, you know, you guys saved my career or something like that. Lou, I apologize if I got that a little bit wrong. 
he was the first person I saw that morning, and he was so effusive. I was just taken aback. Uh, it was very heartfelt, and the my entire day was made in about two minutes because I was reminded that the work we do is so helpful to some people. Right. And um, and he said, "You guys saved my career." And I, you know, I made the mistake probably too early of saying, "No, we didn't." Right. And instead of letting him finish with his gratitude um, because we don't feel that we saved his career we believe he did now we helped we provided some input but the credit goes to the person in the ring but look guys someone is listening that's desperate and they're also perhaps translating our guidance mentally into their native language my fear isn't that people won't listen but rather that someone will listen and follow our guidance and be harmed in some way or get fired we're not like so many folks, and by the way, bloggers, management bloggers come to mind here because they often crow about being unfiltered, okay? I got to tell you, I wouldn't take career advice from somebody who's unfiltered. Start reading the blog and people say, here's something I've been thinking about. I wonder why we don't do this or that. Really? That's the standard? What do you do? How high a level are you in an organization? Do you understand what politics are? Do you understand that that idea you just threw out there may in fact lead to a better world? But you know, there's an old saying, it may be a Texas saying, uh, and it goes like this. What's the difference between pioneers and settlers? Pioneers are the ones with the arrows in their backs. If some blogger recommends to you something you've never seen anybody done before, you should assume that you're going to be a pioneer on that behavior and you'll have an arrow <laughs> in your back. Some arrows in your back. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I don't think that's good. And so our standard is really high. So we understand that there are times when you would like to give feedback to your boss. And it might be possible. It, yeah, it might be possible to, for, for it to work, right? Right. That you not end up with the arrow in your back. But we don't know your boss. We don't know her mood. We don't know his mood. We don't know what the details are and so on. So we have to give a recommendation that reduces your risk. Are there some of you that if we got to know you well and we knew your boss well, we would tell you, sure, go ahead, give your boss that input, even though it's negative. And it's funny, by the way, virtually every time somebody asks this question, they're assuming that we, we all know they're only asking about negative, negative feedback, feedback as if that's the only kind of feedback there is. Nobody ever says, hey, is it okay if I tell my boss how great he is? No, no. <laughs> by the way, nobody does anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah. So is it possible you could give feedback to your boss and be unscathed? Sure it is. But unscathed isn't much of a standard. The question is, will he or she actually change? If I told you only 20% of the time your boss would change if you gave him or her negative feedback, that's all, 20% of the time. But there was no chance there would be any negatives associated with you. Would you give him or her feedback? I would bet a lot of you would fall out of the feedback game simply because you only had a one in five chance. And by the way, that assumes mistakenly that there is no risk, which of course we know there is. I'm not saying the answer. I don't think one in five is how often it happens, but you have to admit your boss is not going to follow all your recommendations. The questions I take people through is if you give this feedback to your boss, What's the benefit to, to you? Yeah. And they say, well, they'll stop doing that thing. Okay. What's the risk to you? What's the, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, I could get in some kind of trouble, which could result in losing my job at some point. Is that risk worth that? <laughs> right. Yeah. And by the way, guys, you might say, no, that won't happen to me. We don't know your boss. And it's happened thousands of times. Believe me, it happens. Now, if we could talk directly to your boss, 
if your boss was in the room, of course we would tell your boss, look, be nice about the input that your directs give you. Re receive it professionally and kindly. Say thank you when your directs give you input. And don't ever retaliate against them. Yeah. Don't ever punish your directs for giving you input. Yeah, but that's exactly what we do say right. to you, to you, the listener, about how to respond to input, input from your directs. So we could have easily made this a shorter answer, but we thought we'd take it and show you the, the depth, the, the, the breadth of our thinking on this, in that when we talk to you as a direct, we understand the risk differently than when we're talking to you as a manager. If we could talk to every single person and everybody followed our guidance, we would encourage everyone to give to give input up to their boss. We love that. Okay? And look, guys, we stick to all these positions every time. If you're direct, ask us whether to give you feedback. We tell them not to do so because of the risk. I just had a, at a conference, I just had several directs of, of a manager that I've been working with. Uh, his name is Luke, and he sent his his folks, and they asked this question, and uh, I said, you know, look, I know Luke, and he's a great guy, and if he were in the room, I would say right in front of him, don't give feedback to your boss. Right. <laughs> and I would look at Luke and say, if your directs give you input, be kind about it and say thank you. Yeah. We're consistent. And if you can follow it, do follow it. But don't feel that the input from a direct to a boss has the same heft as feedback from a boss to a direct, because it doesn't. And I know all of you are thinking, well, of course I wouldn't wait that meeting on that guy who wanted me to, yeah, but you sure would expect him to get on time to the meetings in the future. And that's because rule power distorts things. It's too bad, but it's real. Okay. We won't wait too long on that one, dude. Totally wait yeah. too long. Okay. <laughs> I got off on some tangents there. Okay. Second question. Question number two. Yeah. My career has plateaued and I'm thinking about leaving my company. What should I do? Now, when we get this question, it's pretty clear what, what folks are asking is, should I stay or should I go? To quote an old song. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that's just too, that's too big of an ask. That's like somebody going to the doctor and saying, hey, doc, my, my head hurts. Do you think I need brain surgery? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we usually tell them, we don't know, we don't well know you well enough. Based on an email, whether they should stay or whether they should go. But we can give some guidance that people have told us over and over again, help them enormously. And there are three parts to the guidance. So the first part is stay and deliver results. This is first because it's definitely the most important. Whether you stay or go in the future, even if you decide to go tomorrow, delivering results where you are right now is the best response for present and future pressures. Delivering more results now actually can reduce future pressures. Yeah, and, and look guys, I, I know you're saying, wait, 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 stay and deliver results. That's not about staying or you know, what should I do, stay or go? You're sort of, you're not answering the question. Yes, we are. The reason we're doing this, the reason we're telling you this is because so many people who have done this for so many years have, when there has been a political fallout and they're, they're the victim, or when there's been a management shuffle and they didn't get the role, or they got demoted, or their boss left and so their sponsor's not around anymore, or they're on the wrong project or whatever, 
what they've started to do is think about the politics. They've started to think about whether or not that person slighted them or not. They started to think about whether I should stay or whether I should go. Every moment you're thinking about whether I should stay or whether I should go is a moment you're not thinking about delivering. The moment you stop delivering is the moment you start to reduce your value to the organization. The way the organization values you first and foremost is do you deliver results? Do you achieve what you're supposed to achieve? Do you do your job? And then you risk the the possibility, right? Yeah. The the possibility that you may actually not have to make the decision about staying or going. Yeah. Somebody else could make that decision for you because you you have stopped delivering results. Yeah, you violate the first career tools rule, which is never allow someone else to make a career decision for you, right? Uh, always be good enough so that you get to make your own decisions. You have a lot of offers. You have a lot of growth potential. You have a lot of credibility so you can stay in your job because you love it so much, whatever it might be. Yeah. And then what happens, by the way, when people take their eye off the ball and start thinking about the political things or they get their feelings hurt and they're, they powder, they sulk, or they whine, even though professionally that they don't do it like a five-year-old, but not focusing on delivering great results is a form of professional pouting, guys. Um, what they say is, well, it was politics. No, it wasn't. The reason, the reason you didn't get the next promotion was not politics. The reason you didn't get promotion was you didn't perform after you got your feelings hurt about politics at a level above you. And had you continued to deliver, you might very well have gotten that. Um, and so people conflate the, the year, year and a half, or two years that they slough things off with the initial reason why they did so, and they blame the initial reason for their lack of growth or the fact that they get fired or the fact that they can't seem to get any more work if they're on a project basis or whatever, and they blame the organization when, in fact, they should have a healthy part of the blame themselves. And look, delivering results is your first professional responsibility to yourself, to your team, to your company, and yeah, even to your family. It takes precedence over any search you might do. And it gets you, it gets you focused back on the work that you're being paid to do and, and gets you off of thinking about the politics or whatever it was that happened that, that you got upset or you hurt your feeling, got your feelings hurt about in the past. Um, it, it focuses you, refocuses you on what you really should be, should be focused on at work. Yeah. Which is not what's happened in the past. It's the results that the organization is paying you to deliver. Yeah. So good. So don't complain, folks. Don't worry. Don't think again about what has transpired, how you have been treated, how well you did yesterday, or any other political or historical issue or problem. And we're not saying that, that if, we, if you tell us the whole story about what happened and how you were treated, we're not saying that we wouldn't agree that it, it's reasonable for you to be upset or to have your feelings a little bit hurt. We're just saying, don't let somebody else's behaviors or external circumstances dictate the person that you are. Yeah, have it, have it infect your ability to produce results. All those thoughts are detrimental to your primary responsibility. They may be emotionally enticing, but they're not helpful. So part two, become open to opportunities. This is, this is my, this is one of my favorite new phrases. I just shared this with a, with somebody at the uh, Toronto conference this week who was asking me some career questions, open to opportunities or OTO. I think the mistake that way too many people make when they start thinking about, should I stay or should I go? Is that they make 
the search, the looking, their primary focus. They, they make the decision, okay, I'm going to leave, so I need to start looking. And they haven't even kind of put their finger in the wind to see what options are even available. Yeah. They make a decision without considering probably what is readily available data about how hard the decision will be, what the value will be, what the risk will be, what the cost will be, what the benefits will be. Yeah. And guys, to be clear, when you talk about options, what your options are, options are not great companies nearby you with great people. Options are not having a lot of friends. The only thing that it can be defined as an option in a career search are other job offers. Not, not interviews. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I have not openings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're comparing an interview at another company with the job you have now, that is an incorrect comparison. Okay. Yeah, I, I got the the question that uh, the Toronto um, attendee asked me was right. Hey, should I should I apply for this other job? You know, making the decision before she had the the offer before there was an option. Um, and what I told her is, stay OTO, stay open to opportunities. You don't have to make a decision about that job because it's not even an option for you yet. This is not the way that smart people do it. Smart people stay focused on delivering the results at work, and then quietly they start reaching out to people in their network. They start reaching out to people, letting them know, hey, I'm, I'm open to opportunities. I would consider opportunities. I'm OTO. And, and by the way, you don't send out emails to everybody saying that because that's just saying I'm searching now. Right. And, and, and to be clear, I don't think we've said it quite right. I, mean, I, I should have said this a little differently a minute ago. Open to opportunities is a different state of mind than what most people do, which is I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, now I'm searching. And when pe most people say, now I'm searching, it means that's the primary thing they're doing. And then their results at work begin to decay. And then your boss starts to wonder and your smart boss starts asking a lot of questions and you don't feel it's any of his business, which it is not. And so therefore you don't have to answer honestly. And so you don't, and we wouldn't find fault with you on that. We've talked about this before. And then though, because your boss knows you somewhat well, he knows you're lying, and so therefore trust is degraded when you're doing something that is reasonable and appropriate. And it's because you said, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, now I'm searching. And then it, it's, it becomes this downward spiral. Yeah, and then you start getting worried, and then you start, it starts affecting the, your ability to make a clear-eyed decision about your opportunities. So what executives do is say, of course I'm working, I'm always working. And by definition, I'm open to other opportunities. Guys, the reason you can say, uh, you can adopt this phrase is, suppose you're making $80,000 a year right now. If somebody came along and said, I actually think you're worth more than that. Uh, we're in a similar field, you don't have to move. Uh, you'd have a few more people working for you. Companies relatively equal in quality, and I'm gonna pay you 150. You know, tell you the truth, most of you go take that pretty seriously, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, you're open to other opportunities right now. Uh, you might not be open to other opportunities if it's identical to yours, but of course the whole point of the marketplace is no opportunity is precisely identical to another one. So we work hard and we realize that we're open to other things that might occur. And this reminds me of one of my favorite phrases, which is when the student is ready, the teacher appears. When you become open to opportunities, when you flip that switch without saying, therefore, I'm going to do a full-on surge, suddenly things appear to you 
that you might not have expected before. And this allows you to still get done what you need to get done is deliver results. So if in fact your career search or being open takes two years, you won't have a degradation of your performance, which could affect how your boss or somebody else would talk about you with someone else. And, and being open to opportunities uh, versus I am now in a search, doing it this way also, I believe, doesn't add the pressure of lost income to a search. Yeah. And that takes a lot of pressure off of your family and your personal relationships. And frankly, when you have the pressure of I have to find a job because I'm without income, that is not a good way to be in a search. Not that's, a good way. That's, yeah. You have the air of desperation, which is never attractive. Yeah. And so suddenly, the speed of an offer trumps the quality of an offer. And it's all, it all could have been prevented. Yeah. So I want you to be open to opportunities. There are three things that this means. The first thing is get your resume squared away. Um, you got to do this before you reach out, before you... Um, start talking to your network because somebody will ask you for one and you don't right. want to scramble around. And if yours is like 99% of the ones we see, it's crap. Trust us. And there's a cast for that. <laughs> yeah. your resume. It's called Your Resume Stinks. It's one of the few casts that we um, were emotionally precise in our, <laughs> in our title. Second thing is, guys, do your prep work. Start practicing for interviews. Yeah. And look, we have podcasts about search and about preparing yourself and so on. We also have the interview series, which is, I think it's what, 63 casts, Danny? It is, yeah. I think, I think only, uh, just to be clear, guys, I don't want to mislead you. There are 63 casts in the interviewing series. It's probably our most popular product in terms of the strength of people who have it say, wow, I, you know, I think we just got our survey results back and they're pretty overwhelmingly yes. positive. And uh, that said, of those 63 casts, about 20 of them are the ones you actually pay for, but we give you access to all the show notes of the other ones, even if you're not a licensee. I think probably the interviewing series, I get more comments from, oh my gosh, I got my job because the interviewing series, thanks so much. Absolutely. And then warm up your network now. Don't be the first time you reach out to friends and old contacts that you haven't talked to in a while. Be asking them to lunch because you want to ask them for an interview or you want to ask them if they know of any openings or opportunities. Exactly. Just reach out and say, hi, hey, haven't talked to you in a while. Then you can lead into as you reconnect the, hey, by the way, I'm, I'm open to opportunities if you know of anything. You don't want to be the guy that people say, I only hear from him when he needs something from me. Yeah. And what this means is, and for some of you, you won't like this, but you're driving by, let's say you live in Silicon Valley, you're driving from one location to the other, and you drive by a corporate headquarters and you see the sign, you're like, hey, that guy Rob works there. Um, and you get back to your office and you send Rob an email. You've got Rob's email. You worked with him about 18 months ago, two years ago on a project or whatever. And you say, hey, drove by your corporate headquarters the other day, thought about you. I hope you're doing well. Uh, things are good here. Family's all good. Uh, working on a big project about X. Thought I'd say, hey, that's all you do. That's it. And some of you would say, oh, I, I would never do that. Okay, don't do that. This is how you're open to opportunities. That's how you warm up your network. And this is how people get great jobs. Great. The third thing, surely, the th well, I mean, okay. I said the third thing, but we just said the third thing for the sub parts right. about coming open opportunities. <laughs> so that's confusing. So we've already told you to stay and deliver results. Now we've told you a new way to think about searching, which is not 
active searching, but becoming open to opportunities. And now we're going to suggest search. And stay focused on the first thing yes. we said, which was stay and deliver results. Yeah. In fact, even an active search is the second most important professional thing you would be doing because the first thing would be delivering results. And then step four, now you decide. So you stayed, you delivered results, you searched, you have learned from the market what your, right. what your options are, you've heard some offers, and only now, after you've received offers, can you make an informed decision. Making a decision to stay or go before you have options, also known as offers, is not an informed decision. Yeah. Now, there is one exception. If your company has engaged in some nefarious or unethical behavior, of course, it's, it's completely reasonable to fall on your sword and to, to say, I'm sorry, I have to resign. And we respect that. We understand it. The vast majority of times we hear about people resigning on principle, we would disagree about the strength of the principle. But it does happen that someone does something wrong in your own mind. Um, we're not the arbiters of what's right and what's wrong. But usually, I would encourage you to think twice about that. And if you do that, please remember we have a cast about having your resume ready all the time, having your network warm all the time, and also having six months savings in cash in the bank. So that if, in fact, you come to that and you have to fall on your sword, you'll be able to. And it will be painful, but you'll be able to get by. And by the way, as, as an aside, the way you have six months cash set aside is you just learn to live on less. It's not that hard. Um, we have a very good friend of ours who's a very senior executive who is taking six months off right now in the middle of 2014 because his parents, uh, he hadn't spent much time with them and uh, they needed some, some assistance in this phase of their life. His wife's parents needed some assistance in this phase of their life and he decided he'd take a six-month sabbatical and had such a good reputation with his company and had tons of money saved up because, as he likes to say, he lives small, was able to do it without any concerns at all. And I'm sure his wife is saying he's a god right now. That is a life well lived. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think that's it, right? Yeah. We've answered both the questions. Yes, Hopefully sir. we answered the question about the contradiction about giving versus receiving feedback up and down the chain. And uh, what do I do if my career is plateaued? Folks, I hope this was helpful. I hope you liked us. We get these questions all the time. Um, and we could have probably blown them into full-blown casts. And in fact, we talked so long that they each could have been their own casts. The first one wasn't that actionable, but it explained a lot of our thinking. And the second one, of course, was very actionable. We hope it helps you if you come to one of those career crossroads. This is something we're thinking about continuing, this notes from the field, right? Yeah, let us know what you think. And if you like it, let us know. If you don't, also let us know that so we can figure out how we can best serve you. Great. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Danny. Bye. Bye. That's it, everybody. Hope you liked it. Write us at service at manager-tools.com and let us know whether or not you felt this uh, format of cast was helpful to you. We look forward to hearing from you.